The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Hi and welcome to episode 58 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Four points from two games isn't too bad, but everyone is really disappointed. And so am I, even though we probably shouldn't be really. Anyway, I'm joined by KC. Good morning. Yeah, it's nice and early for you this one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a pretty early one for me. Does it, Do you think that's going to change your podcasting technique? Do you think that you might change who's up front? No, I'm sorry, thinking I'm talking to someone else. No, no, I'll still be disappointed, but I'll stay on the podcast. Yeah. Because, you know, you've, you've got that work rate. <laughs> well, just call me the shift. Well, you know, we could call you the shift, but in fairness, you, you, you've you never put a shift in in your life. Yeah, that's fair. I would, to be honest, I was thinking it would be more just shift. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we'll get straight into it, because uh, obviously you've got to go to work this morning. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not pleased. <laughs> Can't be too much of a long one. Uh, two games since we were last year. Uh, 1-0 win over Birmingham. Uh, Calvin Phillips with goal. We were we were better first half than second, but we scored the goal in the second. Last fifteen minutes were really nervy again. You could it was just like the previous home games when you've only got one 0 lead. Just the entire stadium just gets so nervous, and they do keep giving us reasons to get nervous. In fairness, but did you did you actually get to see all of this one? I watched the I watched the second half live because I had a morning game, and I think I'd been out the night before as well. So I watched the second half live, and and then I caught up with it afterwards. But yeah, like you say, it was dominant first half performance, and then we made the change at halftime and kept you in for Bamford, and it seemed to uh, whatever it was about that change allowed Birmingham to to press on and, and put us under a lot more pressure. Yeah, it was it was a bit better once we had Roberts as well. Yeah, Roberts has looked good in the last few. In his last few appearances, it's good to see him getting back to fitness now. And, and I think as we kind of discussed last time, it's getting to the point where I'd probably like to see him in at, him in at 10 now ahead of Click. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. The game, like for all of the play Birmingham had, they only had one real chance that was right at the end. That header from Pedersen that went over. But it's like, yeah. it's, it's been weird actually because sort of this Birmingham game was a great argument for the playing Bamford over and Ketia. And then the following game was a very good argument in the other direction. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, like you say, we nothing seemed to stick with uh, with Enketcher up front in the second half, and it just it just allowed Birmingham to to I wouldn't say dominate possession, but definitely have a lot more than we're used to teams having at home. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't an ideal performance, but. It was it was the you know the nice moment of the game being the local hero Yorkshire Pirlo stepping up and and grabbing the goal in the centenary game. Yeah, it was a you know like bit of a mistake at the back, but good pressing from Harrison to get there and win it back. Decent pass inside for Phillips. I have to admit, if I was happy that for once we were proved right about something, because I described Lee Camp as the worst goalkeeper in the championship, and it was pretty much straight at him. Yeah, he. he he definitely seemed to get a touch on it. And then, yeah, it seems to get through. It, I think I saw someone on Twitter describe it as um, 
reminiscent of Beckford's goal against Bristol Rovers in the promotion game. Well, I mean, in the, it didn't go right in the corner and stuff, but I mean, Beckford's goal against Bristol Rovers was from about four yards, wasn't it? Yeah, true. But yeah, that was a good win. Obviously, there was all centenary stuff. I don't know how much you really got to see of the actual day from over there. No, again, it was I kind of seeing pictures on Twitter later on and, and through Instagram as well. I do, I did love the picture that they'd, they'd had with all the the fans holding the cards up for for 100 and and the fireworks going off. It was quite a nice touch with the player jackets as well, kind of having those reminiscent to the Riviera teams with the, with their names on the back. Yeah, what did you reckon to the shirt? I, I like the shirt. I, t- I think it's pretty nice, and and you know what? I think you said last time it would have been nice if if thirty two red and Capra had kind of excused themselves from this and kind of gone for the, the nice PR by removing the branding from it. But I, you know, I think they kind of went for the next best thing. kept the, They kept the logos white, moved them into the top corner, you know, the top corner of the shirt, and made them fairly minimal. Um, I know I'm boring you, Jack, but yeah, no, the uh, well, the shirt—it's just beer catching up with me. Uh, the the shirt—it looked okay, but I don't think it was any better than that. Um, and I just, I, I, in the end, I wish I'd bought one, but only because it looks as if you'd be able to flip it for more money. Because uh, I can't bring myself to pay 150 quid for a shirt. No, and, and even if it comes with Dalton's book, which I'm sure will be excellent. Yeah, it's it's a tough sell, and and I can understand a lot of the frustration from from fans. Uh, kind of start to feel like there was a you know a lot of this centenary celebration is behind a paywall. Yeah, because uh, the tickets for that do on the Thursday night were like two hundred quid each, and for the for most of the time, I think you could only buy them as a table of ten as well. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if they, if they did that, and then. It was trying to kind of fill gaps afterwards. Yeah, I think that they did eventually. They did then open it up so that you could do it. And to be honest, with the turnout that you got and everything, it probably would have been worth it. Mm. I'm sure everyone who's gone, it appears to have been worth it for them. So fair enough. But it just, there seemed to be a lot of things that the program, the special edition program that was like 100 quid. Yeah, it's, and again, I just, I, I understand having a limited run of things like that, but then one of the things I found disappointing kind of watching the game, and I don't know if it's something you would have noticed in the ground, is there weren't that many people wearing lead shirts for the Centenary game. And I think now if, if you'd have done, you know, if, you, if you'd have done all this three, four weeks in advance where you kind of reveal the shirt for the Birmingham game, you give people time to pre-order it. You make it 50 or 60 quid and... Yeah, and I, and I think, honestly, you, t- you turn up to Ellen Road and, and it's nearly all white shirts. And I think that was kind of the disappointing thing for me look at, looking on through that game. To be honest, if they'd have just put on Twitter four days before, can everyone wear white? You'd, the majority had done it. Oh, yeah. I just think it's it's one of those strange things where... They can't out of what was a was it nineteen hundred nineteen shirts they're doing. Yeah. The I just don't understand. Like, yes, you you you'll be making decent money off off that, but at the same time, why not also put out a mass one, which you know make the, make those shirts that you're selling for the hundred and fifty quid, uh, you know, 
the exact same shirts as the players, and then you knock out a 50, 60 quid replica as well. I still think they might do that. I mean... But I think that they're keeping it quiet because they wanted to make sure all the limited edition ones sold out. Yeah. And if they announce them straight away, the people who bought those, might, some of them might be able to say, hang on, if I'd have known. So they'll leave it... I think they might leave it a month and then do it. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the topic of shirts, we might as well do it now. Have you, the third kit. Ah, uh, that traditional Leeds baby blue. Yeah, I must admit I like that shirt. That's nice. I, I kind of put out the other day... On Twitch, actually, I always thought you had to keep one of your shirts from the previous season. That definitely at least used to be a rule. I hadn't really thought about that, actually. Because at this point, we're now at four. Mm. Four new shirts for the season, which I get I get the centenary one is also one-off. But, you know, take that away. We are in three brand new shirts then. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Maybe they've got rid of that rule. Yeah. Oh, I don't Yeah, I don't know if, they've, if we get kind of a special dispensation with it in a centenary year, but... I, I, I like the third kit, but again, kind of same as with the other two shirts, there's nothing about it that really makes me think, ooh, centenary year. Well, well other than the not-so-great badge. Well. But no, I must admit, I do like the light blue shirt. It's been compared to the to Lazio shirt again. Yeah, or to the 0405. Was it 0405, that Diodoro one? Uh, yeah, uh, that was the yeah it was the first season in the championship, wasn't with, it? With badge in middle. Yeah, every, ooh. Sorry, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Everything centralised. I didn't like that. No, I must admit, I hated that. <laughs> no, but I don't think any of us were happy with Diodora generally. Like, that was a huge step down from from wearing Nike for the last few years. Yeah. So, the, as it, the centenary stuff on the day that I saw, and I, I wasn't one of the ones down at the ground at 10am. I'm just... We got there a bit early. We did get there at about sort of 20 to 2, maybe. Okay. Well, for two reasons. We did think, well, we'll go down a little bit early because it's the centenary stuff. And also, we thought, with a lot of people getting there early, traffic might be a bit worse. So we set off, and then there was no traffic whatsoever, because a load of people had showed up at 11 in the morning. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Uh, so, but the stuff going on seemed good. Like, they had people up on stage being interviewed, like Ben Parker was there when I was walking past. One problem was, I didn't remember to go get a square ball to laugh too, and by that point, they'd all sold out. Uh... But apparently, they'll have some for the uh, QPR game at home, so... I'll have to get down early and grab one of them. Uh, the atmosphere seemed good. They were handing out vouchers for like free food and free beer and stuff earlier in the day. Oh, that's cool. Which is good. That that was a good thing that I saw. Uh, one thing that I did notice is when they were showing the goals on the screen they put up, there's only really Kaiser Chiefs and Pigeon Detectives that are Leeds fans, aren't there? Yeah. So what they ended up doing, I think, was playing, they played loads of Manchester-based bands, but all the ones that are City fans. Ah, okay. Uh, go with the same <laughs> bet. It was just like, well, these are all really good, and the, you know, they hate the same people we do. <laughs> no one's going to complain that Live Forever's on. Yeah, but no, it seemed it seemed like a good day. It was weird seeing all of, all of it sort of fenced off because they fenced it off the night before in case anyone tried to park there. I think. Yeah. Uh, people just uh, people just camping out outside Ellen Road. Imagine trying to camp in Beeston. Well, I've I've sort of done that. Uh, you stayed up all night. I, I probably fell asleep in that chair at some point. Uh, strength in numbers as well. Yeah. Uh, one set of numbers that there isn't strength in is Patrick Bamford's this year. God. Uh, we'll go on to the second game. Preston won, Leeds won. Uh, Eddie and Ketty, here we are, goal late on. Stop me if you've heard this before, but we were a better side for 70 minutes and then we got caught on the break and conceded. 
Uh, it's um, becoming all too familiar, is that feeling now. Yeah. I, I need to go back and properly watch their goal. Because, you know, they won it and they played one ball down the right channel. And all of a sudden, there's Sean Maguire and Tom Barkhazen against Ben White. And the weird thing was, the, the ball was miles in front of Maguire. And when the camera cuts up, you see Casillas sprinting back. And I thought, this is the one time he's ever done that. So I, that's the other reason why I need to see a proper replay, because my first instinct was, I think he could have come out and got that. And I've seen a few people saying the same thing, but I haven't seen like a definitive replay. I'm, I'm always going to feel bad for Casillas now at this point when people start complaining. Like, why aren't you coming off your line? Yeah, because he'd come off his line a couple of times well in first half. Like, there was one horrendous back pass from Berardi that he came out for and did well. But in this game, I mean, the story is Bamford in this game. Like, pretty much everyone played all right except him. Some of the defenders played a bit better than that. I thought Phillips were about his best player. But I think I gave him like a seven and a half. There was just a lot of seven, six and a half, and then Bamford. But, like, Bamford had six shots in this game. Three of them were pretty good chances. The one on his right foot, the second header from the corner, and the one that got pulled back to him in the second half were all good chances. And not only did he not score, he didn't even get a single one on target. Yeah, I mean, even at half-time, it made for, for fairly grim reading, because I think going into half-time, we'd had six shots and not hit the target, I think. Preston had had four and not hit the target. So it was, it wasn't a day for strikers anyway. Yeah, I mean, I was doing, I was live tweeting it for it all together during game while I was writing the ratings and stuff. And just the, the tweet that was for that third one Costa, great play down the right, finds click, click to the byline, pull back for Bamford, eight yards out, shoots, throwing. And that yeah. finish was like, I mean, it was horrendous. The, the difference between the two hours was, in the first half, Bamford actually played quite well. Not great, but, you know, his link-up play was good. He held the ball up quite well. He got into some good positions. And the finishing wasn't there, which is what we've seen a few times. In the second half, he was just bad. Yeah. Like, his finishing was poor, but the other stuff was poor as well. It's getting to the point now as well where he's not getting goals. He doesn't really get many assists so uh, there's only so good someone's hold up play can be yeah he's had he's had one assist this season uh, I, yes. I've printed out I've got some stats on the notes which uh, came from LUFC data on Twitter who was very good it's Chris but like Bamford 987 minutes for four goals and Ketia five in 388 Bamford 0.36 goals per 90 and Ketia 1.2. But like the shots per 90, if he actually, you know, if he'd actually played, are 4.2 and 4.4. So it's like they're getting a similar level of chances, a similar number of chances. And just his conversion rate is so much better. Yeah, I suppose at that point, in terms of the, the number of shots they're having, it's not, that's essentially down to the players around them more than them, isn't it? Yeah. So if they're both getting a similar, that's, I mean, He's, it's unbelievable. And Ketia's minutes per goal is 78. It's hard to argue with it, but I've never, like, speaking to speaking to a couple of people about and it's I'm not exactly a fan of squad rotation, but there is definitely an argument to 
to certainly resting a couple of players. There's definitely an argument to not play to changing your striker when he's on a fairly barren run without a goal. Yeah, it's like the other thing that I've just looked at this. Uh, chances created per 90. Bamford 0.64 and Ketia 1.2. Now, there is a thing, and Ketia has come on late in games when we're going for it, for some of these, which will skew it slightly. And uh, Nketiah's big chances missed per 90 is actually worse. 1.2 to 0.91. But, like, I just, I think he ha- we have to find a way to get Nketiah inside. It's not do or die. We are playing well enough that we could still be fine. But I just, I think he's a real one. And obviously this doesn't include him scoring in 23s and getting five goals in two and a half games for under 21s. He's got the best goals per 90 of any player in the championship this season that's played like seven games or more. I've seen a few people talking about having Bamford drop to 10 and then catch your play up top. But as... As I kind of understand that from the attacking point of view, but I think with the defensive work that would be expected of Bamford, I don't think it would be as successful as as people are thinking. Yeah, if it was last season, I'd be more up for that because this season we're not really playing with a ten. Yeah, because it's like a more attacking eight and a slightly less attacking eight. It's harder to do. If we were playing with an out and out number ten, I'd be more up for. It. In the same way that depending on the. Uh, depending on availability and stuff, I wouldn't really mind us playing Bamford wide if they weren't having to work back so much. Yeah. Like, Bielsa's had his say about it today. I don't know if you saw his quotes in the press conference because he said Bamford will play on Saturday. Yeah, and because I, I, I saw after the Preston game as well, he said one minute fans are singing for Bamford, the next they're singing for Nketiah. He's not um, He's not that stupid. He was, he was just, that was playing with the media a bit. Because what they did was sing for Eddie as in get him on, get him on, get him on. And then sing Bamford's name too as a, look, we don't hate you. We hate you, but get off. Come on. I, I really do. It, it, I say, I, I would love I would love them to try and play both because it might work. But like he was talking basically about how Nketiah's runs are always with the view to scoring a goal and Bamford will run to whatever suits the team. And he was saying that the number of chances... In order to miss a chance, you have to be involved in creating a chance. And that's what he... So, like, what he said about Bamford does make sense. It's just that his finishing has dropped off to such a degree now. Now, that's eight games without a goal. And some of them have been such bad finishing. Yeah, it's it's just... It does get to the point where you just wonder what in Bielsa's mind would make him change... You know, change to and catch you up front. Like, what? What is it going to take? An injury. Mm. That's what mm. I'm starting to think. It'll push him through. <laughs> yeah, they'll find a way. It was um. Yeah, it's kind of a weird one because, as I say, I've, I mean, I've stuck up for Bamford a lot, and I do genuinely think he's a good player. But when someone's confidence is this low, I feel like you have to take him out of firing line. Because at the minute, Leeds fans are sticking up for Bamford and saying, but I think we should play in Ketia. When he got subbed off, there was it was a minority, but there were audible boos for him. Yeah. He has two more games like that, and it's gonna it could get nasty. It's uh, you know, I think that the frustration is starting to build with Bielsa now about this as well. There's some people really falling out with him over it. It's 
It's tough. I mean, I do think now you get to the point where you kind of look more about, or look more back to last season and, and how good Kemar Roof was at leading the line in that team. Yeah. And, you know, there's only so there's only so much you can you know even in Bielsa style where everything's going right, but at some point you've got to put the ball in the back of the net, and that and that is what this team is lacking at the moment in comparison to last season. And I, and I know it, you know people have looked and were a point better off now than we were this time last season. Yeah, because his defense has been twice as good. Yeah, but we do we do need to look at. At some point, as, and as I've said before, like when we're playing these teams and creating all these chances, why are we not getting three, four, five goals? Why are we why are we having to depend on you know a late header to save us a point in a game we've we've dominated? Yeah, just to say we kind of glossed over it. That was an unbelievably good header. Ah, oh, fantastic header as well, uh, getting it back over the keeper and. Because they they had two defenders kind of scrambling to try and get back on the line as well, who couldn't, who just couldn't adjust themselves for it. Yeah, have you seen that shot from the? Uh, it's shot by a photographer who's at ground level. I mean, he's only like five foot nine and Ketia, and he's up so high above everyone else. It's really impressive, and uh, it's fair to as well. He wasn't perfect in this game by any stretch, but Jack Harrison deserves a bit of praise as well. It wasn't the greatest crossing well, but it was quite, but it was a good one, and. If we, in our heads, give uh, Bartley on goal to Alioski, because it, yeah. it was Harrison provided the pass for that, he's, he's set up as last four. Yeah, no end product. Well, the thing is that he doesn't no, really no, have I, a great end product. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> it's, it's one of those where he, he seems to have just kind of... I don't, I don't want to say being in the right... Well, no, he probably is being in the right place at the right time. It's just a shame that it's not more than one for the areas he gets into on the field. That he's, you know, he's only getting one assist per game. Yeah, we. Um, to be honest, the what that <laughs> there's almost only one thing to talk about at the minute, and it is the Inketi thing. But uh, have you seen the news today that Co- Cooper and Shackleton are back available for Saturday? That's good news. You know, especially one, especially Liam Cooper. Yeah, Berardi, obviously he made a mistake just before the red card, but the red card bit wasn't his fault. And then Birmingham and Preston, he did perfectly well. I still don't know where the hell he was on Preston's goal, though. He must have been too far up the pitch for that to have happened. But he's done all right, but it'll be nice to have Liam Cooper back in. Yeah, do you think... You'd guess Jamie Shackleton would probably go back to the bench. I, I'm not so sure. I, I f- I'm honestly, I'm about fifty-fifty over what he'll do because he might do that, or he might put Dallas back at right back and play Shackleton in centre mid. Do you think he drops Ailing? I'm not hundred percent. I'm, I'm leaning towards Shackleton will be on the bench, but uh, yeah, Shackleton's I, I think... last performance before his injury in centre mid, that first half before he got injured, he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, because none of us knew at the time. Why he that was uh, which game that was the West Brom game, wasn't it? Yeah, because everyone was like, well, well, I remember being in the stand, and when he took it, everyone said he must be injured. Yeah, on, on, on Twitter again, it was a case of why is he coming off? Yeah, because he'd been subbed at half time the previous two games, having not played that great. 
But in that game, everyone was like, he must be injured because he's been really good. So I'd, I'd probably quite like him back in if he's fully fit because Dallas has done a serviceable job at centre mid, but he's not a centre mid. Yeah, uh, it, it'd be nice to see him back in, but I, I think he'll stick with Dallas. Yes, yeah, so I think it'd just be a straight swap for with Cooper and Berardi and then Shackleton to the bench. And another week where Robbie Gotts doesn't make his debut. Yeah, sits on the bench, doesn't come on. That must be like 25 games or something now. Uh, but that game, because other than the centenary, there hasn't really been any news. No, it was it was quite nice, some of the stuff that was going on on the, set on the, the day of the centenary as well. There was the, the place of blue plaque, didn't they, for at the location where yeah, we the, were formed. At the chapel. Yeah. The stuff before kickoff was nice with all having all of the legends on the pitch. I quite liked, you know, one of the things for me here was kind of enjoying seeing some of the pictures coming out of, and the, although one of the pictures I saw was David O'Leary and Lee Boyer together, I was like, hmm, hmm, mm. even now. I, I find it strange seeing those two having a picture taken with each other. Yeah, speaking of pictures, my favourite picture from the whole thing, everyone in a suit, everyone in black tie and Bielsa in his training kit. Does the picture of... Clearly, he's walking towards that group picture with Radrazani talking to him, and all I can imagine is is Radrazani's going, "You can't wear that for this picture." <laughs> it's like bueno, okay. <laughs> Just like yeah, I'll have I'll have the picture. But it was quite nice. I love seeing it's like Beckford on on Instagram videoing him walking in with Luciano and Lucas Radaby as well. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, speak weird bit of news. Uh, have you seen Lucas Radaby's kids signed for Farsley Celtic? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's a winger. It was really annoying. I wrote up a story about it, and then it went, and then someone else put out a tweet that went viral two days later. Yeah, it's weird to think of some of these players now having fully grown children. Yeah, because it's not even like he's seventeen or something. I think he's like nineteen, twenty. Yeah, he had a trial at Leeds August last year. Yeah, that's good. But seeing as he's playing in Farsley Celtics under twenty threes at the minute, I'm guessing he got a trial as a favour. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you who I did like seeing there that I don't think you ever really hear too much of was Rod Wallace. I was kind of saying, I was kind of saying this to someone where, whereas it's quite well known that David Batty is is off the grid and you know he essentially wants very little to do with football anymore. Well, I mean, when has he when has he really come back? He came back. He did that one season ticket advert when they did it with Taylor, Byram, Cook and Mowat. Yeah. And he came back when Gary Speed died. And yeah. that's pretty much it. I just find it's a funny way in this day and age where typically you kind of know what a lot of the the ex-players from the 90s are, are doing now. I just never hear anything about Rod Wallace. No, it's, it's true actually. I, I haven't really thought about it, but you don't hear much of him, do you? No. Whereas, you know, you look at Chris Fairclough, you know he's at Nottingham Forest and you know he still looks younger than he did when he played for us. Yeah. Benjamin Button over there. It's just it's any time I see a picture of Chris Fairclough, I've, it's so funny. Yeah, it was a I was saying that it was it was nice that he got as much fanfare as he did because we've said before that that centre back partnership doesn't really get as much credit as it probably should. Yeah, it was you know, back in back in that era when outside of injuries or suspensions and maybe Leeds now with Bielsa, you could each week just go, no, this is going to be the starting 11. You know, just you could go through that team 1-11 and, and know where everyone's going to play. 
Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's slightly before our time, so we didn't see enough of it. But if you play that many games in a title-winning team, yeah, you should probably get more fanfare around the club than you do. Yeah, and it's it's quite interesting to see the careers they kind of went on to have afterwards. You know, uh, Chris White ended up going to Birmingham. Chris Fairclough. I'm trying to remember where he went, but I know he, he spent time at Bolton. But it was it was interesting from that title-winning team that that there weren't many that kind of moved upwards after us. Yeah. Uh, well, I quite like the idea of Leeds being the peak of our career. Yeah, peak of a career, the Andy Hughes, as it's known. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was great seeing some of those you know some of those players there, even and some of the older players as well. Um, yeah, it was good seeing because uh, I was glad that Brendan Ormsby managed to be involved. Yeah, yeah he's, especially with all, with all his. He's been not through. been well, so. No, I'm trying to remember who it was that got mentioned. I don't know if you'll know that someone approached Norman Hunter that he played with, and oh. he basically. He needed telling who it was. Yeah, I think it was Terry Cooper. Yeah. I'm I'm fairly sure that Moscow was on about it on the latest square ball. Yeah, so oh, that, I can't actually remember what it all was, but I mean, God, I'm, I doubt that there's anyone listens to this that doesn't listen to the square ball. But if you just haven't got round to it or something this week, because they released it nearly the same time as the last match ball as well. Uh, yeah. He spoke quite well about a lot of the stuff... A lot of the other stuff that they've done for the centenary that hasn't been well publicised, mm. that's been really good. Like they've been doing a lot of stuff with schools and stuff that no one knows about. Yeah, it's this playing guy. It's quite nice with the. I think Moscow was there for the the time capsule as well, wasn't he? Yeah, him and that that CBBC presenter whose name escapes yeah. me right now. What do you? Uh, I'm gonna ask now. When do you think you'll get down to the the museum at the Marion Centre? Uh, is that where it is? Yes, I believe so. Uh, phew. pretty soon I work opposite it. Yeah, That's <laughs> quite, I saw. I've seen a couple of pictures from inside. I'm guessing it, it's not, it's nothing massive, but um, yeah, it's a nice. To, it's nice touch to have something like that in the middle of Leeds, uh, where I think it'll get. I think it'll get more passers by than it would if there was something like that, Ellen Road. Uh, genuinely, with what time I start work tomorrow, because I'm working quite late, I might well nip in tomorrow. Yeah, that's good. It's because um, they've, they've still oh they've got the shop in the Marion as well now haven't they still yeah yeah they've got that but yeah there looks to be a few nice pieces in there and they've got um, they've got some of the uh, graffiti on the wall there yeah that was tragically removed and then replaced again yeah. it's been nice it's been nice seeing that work go up again by the way yeah no it's all it's always good to see stuff like that and the uh, it sounds like the um, one thing I'll have to go see in West Stand at some point is, have you seen the big, like, dreamscape thing that they've done? Yeah, there was a couple of interesting bits coming out of that. But, yeah, I, I did see that. I, I, and I think it's a really nice touch. Yeah, I really I really like that. Obviously, like everyone, I didn't like that there's a big 11 spots in the middle of it. The one thing that, that was pointed out was that there is an, a big 11 spots banner in the changing room. Is there? Apparently so. I mean, it doesn't make it any better, really. But and also, you know, he is paying for it. But the the thing that made it slightly more okay was to me was, yes, it's very commercial for this picture, but at least it's accurate. I'd rather them do it that way than, you know, as opposed to that not being there and and Rajasani going just just put that in there as well. Put the eleven sports logo in. Make it make it you know. Yeah, at least if it out. is at least if it is really there, it's not as bad. 
And one thing that I'm hoping won't be bad is Saturday. It's a tough game, this. Uh, second v third, us and Chef Wednesday at Hillsborough. 12.30 kickoff on Sky, which is half four in the morning for you. Yes, I'm, I'm going to say now. Un- I am going out Friday, so unless I get back late and stay up for it, there's a good chance I'm not seeing this game live. Yeah, it's a, probably a highlights job. Or the watch for 90 back if someone uploads it. Yeah. Last five, they won 4-1 at Borough. Got beat 1-0 at Hull. Won the win over Wigan. 1-1 draw at Cardiff that they should have won easy because I watched that. Uh, 1-0 win against Stoke. Uh, they have played 4-4-2 this season, but they've been 4-1-4-1 for the last three games. It's not an amazing squad, but it's not bad either. To be, As much as we don't particularly like him at the minute, to have him in third, Monk's doing pretty well. Yeah, he always does all right at first. They've got Kieran Westwood fit again. It'll be his first game back if he plays. But they were saying in press conference that Cameron Dawson might stay in because he's played well. However, Kieran Westwood always has blinders against us, so I doubt it. Yeah, I see, I see they've settled on keeping Kieran Westwood now. Yeah, they had... Once they got rid of... Um, oh, was, was that Carlos Carvajal last season? Or that season before? I think he was there last season. Yeah, I, basically they had to change the manager and he came back in. Uh, yeah. Defend, uh, back four will almost will probably be Liam Palmer right back, Dominic Iorfa... Julian Bonner and Morgan Fox at left back. Dominic Iorfa was who was the tall athletic right back at full at Wolves for years. The, someone's finally realised, hi, hey, he's really tall and good in the air and strong and good in the tackle. Maybe we should play him as a centre back. Yeah. Uh, Tom Lees is out injured. That's a shame. The only other change they could do is Odebarjo could play at right back with Palmer at left back instead. But uh, Monk gave an interview saying that he's liked what Morgan Fox has done since coming to the side, so he'll probably stay in. I've got very little to add on any of this. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Sean Hutchinson will probably hold in mid, that ex-Chelsea one who retired and then got a second opinion and came back when he were like 19. He's a good player, but I mean, I bet he'll be one to two to get booked. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit like that Ben Pearson at Preston East, same. Like, we didn't even mention it because I've now seen it from the other angle, but I was convinced that was a penalty in the last minute. And then I saw it back from the other side and it won. It was a good tackle. Yeah, was it? Uh, Alioski really pushing for that penalty but nothing yeah. doing uh, in midfield they'll have Barry Bannon who's obviously a good player and they've got that Massimo Luongo I've always rated he's been he's been there a while now uh, Luongo I'm not sure when they signed him but he was at QPR before wasn't he oh that's sorry that's I've got him mixed up sorry I was looking at the notes when you said his name and I was looking at QPR yeah because <laughs> that's for next that's game. What I was thinking of. yeah yeah um Wingers, it'll be Adam Reach on right, Kadeem Harris on left. Obviously, Adam Reach scored that absolute screamer at Hillsborough. And uh, Kadeem Harris is a good player. And they've got good options there, actually, because they've got Jacob Murphy on bench and Forestier is banned for racism's up. Oh, so he, he could play like as a 10 or on wing or up front, really. And then prop, like out and out centre forwards, Stephen Fletcher has been playing. Uh, at Danuio, Sam Winall, Jordan Rhodes. It's not the levels that it was a couple of years ago, but they're still well stocked at striker, aren't they? Yeah, they've st- I mean, Winall won't be on gr- amazing money, but because they signed him from Barnsley when Barnsley went championship, he won't be on note. Rhodes will be on good money, Nuio will be on decent money, Fletcher will be on loads, and Forestieri will be on loads. Yeah. They, they don't have eight of them anymore, like, because they, man- they sold Lucas Zhao to Reading, didn't they? Yeah, there was there was that period when it was like six or seven. Well, they had 
they had all of them, and they had Lucas Zhao, and I'm trying to remember who the other ones were. But they did have a uh, couple more big, big earners. Mm. Uh, it's definitely another one where I'd say our squad's stronger on paper. I think so. Uh, again, it's just... It's it's never the best place for us to go. It's Hillsborough. I, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 1-1 one, one draw. Ugh, I was going to say that. I'm going to say Leeds nick it 2-1. Bloody hell, two goals in a game. Yeah, because uh, is going to come off bench and score twice. Exciting times. And then he's going to be on the bench against QPR at home. Yeah. Uh, next Saturday, three o'clock. They're fifth in table. They're doing well because uh, Matt Warburton's took over there and he's he seems to have always done well. Yeah, I was I always quite liked him. Did well at Brentford and his, the Rangers job was weird because he was like rebuilding but while battering everyone. He seemed to do yeah. okay there. Uh, their last five, they've started... They had a couple of bad results, but they turned it round. They got beat 2-0 against West Brom, got beat 3-0 at Cardiff. But then they beat Blackburn 4-2, won 3-2 at Hull, and then a 2-2 against Reading. They seem to change their formation up more than most. In the last five, they've played 5-3-2, 4-4-2, and 4-2-3-1 three times. So I think that's most likely. Uh, they've dropped that Joe Lumlick keeper for Liam Kelly, who I'd never heard of, the signing from Livingston. Uh, his last four he's played the last four in goal and I mean they've conceded six goals in that time but apparently he has been playing okay uh, from a quick search on Twitter uh, right back Angel Rangel centre backs Tony Leisner and Johan Barbe Johan Barbe is much better he's really good at passing ball out from back but I don't really rate him as a defender uh, the David Luiz of the championship yeah uh, Ryan Manning at left back they've got like that Todd Kane, who was at Chelsea as one of backups, he looks decent. Grant Hall and Dominic Ball can both play midfield as well, but I don't know all about either of them. Uh, if they play 4 2 3 1, which I think they will, it'll be probably Jeff Cameron and Josh Scowan. I mean, Jeff Cameron must be like 35 now. Yeah, he's been uh, knocking on a little while now. Yeah, where they are a bit more exciting is like attacking mid and up front. Uh, if they play a three, it'll be Eberechi Easy, who. Started last season really well and dropped off, and then this season has looked unbelievable. He's probably he's been he's might well have been best player in the league so far this year. He's been that good. Uh, Elias Chair will probably play as ten. Who won? It's a great name, but he went on loan to Stevenage last season and just ripped the league apart. It was a bit of a summer at Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. He's just come back and they've had to go. Well, we're going to have to play him. Yeah, you should. You do not need to be here. Yeah. And uh, well, thank you. It'll probably be Bright or say Samuel on the other side, who, again, you know, decent pace, good young players that are quite exciting. Back up to him's Mark Pugh, so he's unlikely to play because he's much less fast and exciting. And then whether they play one or two up front, it'll either be Wells and or Jordan Hugel. So we're not signing Jordan Hugel, then? No. I mean, it, it wouldn't really suit us anyway, but it wouldn't go away for ages, would it, that? No. Uh, Naki Wells is a good player and he tends to have and he's got a pretty decent record against us I was going to say he got the goal in the home game against us last year didn't he because that was when we had Phillips playing and I think he, he basically caught Phillips out of position and Janssen was was trying to kind of scramble across to, to cut him off but just couldn't yeah. get there and I think he set up the goal because we got beat away at QPR didn't we that was that was a fairly depressing performance yeah again all right squad, but nothing major. 
I mean, we said it before the season started. When you look through all squads, other than Fulham's, and they haven't started great, there was nobody really stood out a mile. No. Um, again, and it'd be interesting to see with a number of these teams, and even with these two in particular, if there's much of a drop-off for them in the next few months or if, if they are genuine contenders. Yeah, it's... um. As the, this is it's two tough fixtures. With the QPR one being at home, you'd say it's one you have to win. I'm going to say it's more of the same. I'm going to say we win 1-0. Well, I'm going to say 2-0. Right. Uh, win. Win, yeah. just to <laughs> clarify. Uh, between Wednesday away and QPR at home, would you take four? Yes. So, and, and to be honest, if, if we ended up losing one of them but winning the other, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world either because I think... No, it wouldn't be a disaster... It wouldn't be good, though. I'd be more disappointed if we lost QPR, but I, I don't think losing at Hillsborough would be the most unexpected yeah. thing either. As When you said yes to taking four, I was going to say it depends. If we beat Wednesday, no. Yeah, true. It's like whether you win at Wednesday and draw at home to QPR, you're disappointed. You draw at Wednesday and beat QPR, you're perfectly content. Yeah. It's strange like that, it's football. Yeah. Well, we're on 24th, so we'll have one more over Skype and then you'll be back. Yeah, back in the country. Pro- Wait, let me rephrase that. Probably. <laughs> I d- yeah. I mean, we Most don't. Likely. One, we don't know if you're ever going to get back, but two, it depends on work and stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, fingers crossed. One day. One very special day. We'll meet again. Yeah. Did you say it's the 20th, roughly, when you're back? Yeah, flight on the 19th, so I'll be back in the country on the 20th. Uh, what day of week is it? Uh, that'll be a Wednesday that I'm back. Oh, I'll, I'll try and get that weekend off, then. Yeah, well, we've got yeah, we've got a home game that weekend, so that's that's the one good thing. In, in my extension to stay in the country, I'm not missing any games. Yeah, oh well. It'll be, it'll be good when you're back anyway. We'll actually be able to try and get out and play some golf or something. Yeah. I, uh, I'll give you a quick Portland sports update as well. It's not gone well. Has it not? <laughs> no, both both the Thorns and the Timbers made it to the playoffs, both lost in their first playoff game. Uh, I'll tell you what I did see. Uh, now, that because I saw it, there's half a chance it's because you retweeted it. But I saw a stat about uh, women's football attendance in America. And the Thorns' average attendance was like 26,000 or something. Yeah, it's very high. I had no idea that it was that big. It's probably not, uh, to, uh, to be fair, it's probably not 26,000, but the Thorns are, are probably, they're either the first or second most most supported team in the league. Bearing in mind, it's only a nine-team league. Yeah. But yeah, the Thorns are, are very well supported. Yeah, I was really shocked. And it's quite interesting, actually, because I know this year, um, both Olympic Lyon and Barcelona uh, looking into the possibility of having teams entered into the league here. Well, like sending a B team? I don't know. Well, it'd have to be because, like, I mean, Leon surely would just batter everyone. Well, that, and, I mean, you look, yeah, I was going to say that, the, not that I claim to know a whole lot about women's football, but if I remember rightly, they've won the last five Champions Leagues. Yeah, like, I don't, I'm not up to date with me with women's football, but the one thing I know is that Leon are really good. Because they've yeah, got a. So- What's is uh, Hedeberg up front? Yeah, the like best player in the world. But I think Tony Duggan's still at Barca, isn't she? Quite possible. I, I, like I say, outside of the Thorns, I don't really keep up with the game too much. Mm. So yeah, it's it's been a, a disappointing end to the season for 
for both teams. But the NBA has started up again, so the Trailblazers are back in action, and I really don't care all that much. Woo. <laughs> yep. I could barely get into it when I was on nights, and it was on, and it was the NBA Finals. And I was able to just about like have it on and not pay attention. I just, I don't get the appeal. They should just play the last five minutes when it's close. Well, they do manage to drag it out for 20 minutes, so. Just play five minute long games and it'd be good. Uh, Anyway, uh, my beer is empty. I don't even have a beer. And our lass isn't here to get me one, so we should probably wrap this up because also we need food. Yeah, I need some breakfast. I need to run myself a bagel. Cool. Well, I think that'll do us then for episode 58. Uh, We are at Mighty White's Pod on Twitter. At mightywhitespodcast.com. The stuff we write goes up on Through It All Together, which is on Twitter at THIU, it's all L U F C. Uh, we've managed to get a couple of writers in, like Kieran and Marco have been have made a good start with us. But uh, we're always on the lookout for more because, you know, they don't give us any money for a budget, so the more people we have who can do a little bit, it works better for everyone. But I think that's all that we've got to go through. So I've been Jack, see ya. I've been Casey, have a good one. Cool, in a bit. <laughs>